Welcome to the Work Hard, Play Hard podcast. My name is Rob Murgatroyd, and I'm a former doctor turned lifestyle entrepreneur. Each week, I interview some of the best minds on the planet on the science of achievement and the art of fulfillment. Come take this journey with me. Excuses are over. It's time to live. I don't know. You just have this vision that outsourcing is going to be horrible. But then once you find the right people around you, you realize that it is the only way to build a huge business is to do it with other people helping you. I think it is necessary, the contrast. Life is contrast. Life is light and dark, you know, black and white. It's, it's interesting that mo- the most successful people have usually been in extreme debt or went through extreme pain in their life. And I think that commonality just shows that that contrast is necessary to be successful. I think eight, nine, 10 years old, I started to realize that that was the best way to create a life that you want is to be what my dad would call an entrepreneur. And so at a very young age, I started to become obsessed with how can, how can I start my own business one day? How can I do that? Do that, do that, do that, do that. What's up, everybody? This is Rob Murgatroyd, and welcome to another episode of the Work Hard, Play Hard show. This episode features Angie Lee of the Rich Bitch Podcast. How's that for a polarizing name to get your attention? You can find Angie on the socials at Angie Lee. I wanted to have Angie on the show because of her insane ability to effectively and constantly sell products on Instagram stories. She does it without pissing me off at all. In fact, I actually like it. So who is Angie? Angie is your hilarious, vivacious, and wicked smart business bestie you've always wanted. She is a serial entrepreneur, a vibrant speaker, a life coach, and a marketing guru. She is the host of the top-rated Rich Bitch Podcast, the founder of Pays to Be Brave Summit, and the author of Raise Your Hands. I first met Angie last year at a big network marketing event that we attend, and we talked about all kinds of things and all the projects that she was working on. But what I didn't expect was almost exactly one year later, her name is everywhere. I thought Angie would be a great guest and she delivered in this episode. In this conversation, we talk about everything from how she spends 50% of her Insta story time on being the goofball self that she is and the other 50% of her time being an authority figure. It's not easy to balance those two, but she does it beautifully. We also talk about some struggles that she's been through with things like binge eating and how sharing that and being vulnerable actually increases her engagement. And then we talked about all of the cool things she does to put play in her life and where she's struggling in that area too. Be sure to take a screenshot of this episode, share it on the socials, and remember to tag me and Angie and let us know what you thought of it. So without further ado, please enjoy this conversation I had with Angie Lee. Angie, welcome to the show. Hello, how's it going? I'm so excited to be here. You know, I have been looking forward to this interview for some time, and here's why. In the last 12 months, you have exploded onto the scene. Your name is everywhere, which means you're striking a chord with people and creating massive value for them. So I'm super excited to dig in today and talk about all of the cool things you're doing. So thank you for making the time. Yay. Thank you. I listened to a few of your shows and you have such a, an amazing podcast voice. You were born to be a podcast host. You are so good. <laughs> so I'm excited That's to be here. They went, there's a podcaster. Look at that face. He's a podcaster. <laughs> I listened to one in five minutes in. I'm like, oh my God, he's such a good podcaster. <laughs> Thank you. I thought a good jumping off point would be to begin with a little background. Could you tell us a story about something maybe your parents did with you as a kid, which sort of typifies what your experience was like, say, from the ages five to 10, growing up in a small Midwestern Bible town like Wheaton, Chicago. Yeah. So I'm from a very small town outside of Chicago called Wheaton. Yes. Most people don't know that. So you did your research. (laughs) It was interesting because I always was kind of the oddball of with with religion and with those things. I, I begged my parents after a few years of going to private school to leave because not due to necessarily religion. I just didn't like the structure. I've always been a rule breaker. I feel like you resonate with that. And I didn't want to follow the rules. I didn't want to go to 
church six times a day in, in class. And I just, I always was that kid who was kind of always wondering what else is out there, thinking outside the box, kind of the little oddball. And my parents were really, really supportive of that. They always kind of let me pave my own path and be what they call the little tornado and just <laughs> do what I want to do. And I was a gymnast growing up. So I think a lot of 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 that structure of being an athlete, you, you know, being athletics, 40 hours a week since a really young girl is what built a lot of my discipline too. So when I think back to childhood, that's actually when you just asked me that, the first thing that came to mind was being a gymnast and a very competitive athlete is really what shaped a lot of who I am today. As you got a little older, you studied broadcast journalism and you thought you wanted to be a weather girl. Yeah. Why <laughs> did you want to be a weather girl? <laughs> Why would you want to be the weather girl? I went to Mizzou and the intent was to be a broadcast journalist. Obviously, what we're doing right now is we're, we're kind of being broadcasters right now. And, and I love this. I love communication. I truly believe I'm here to be a vessel for communication. And... I fell in love with radio and TV. So I went to school for that. Little did I know that you don't become Katie Couric overnight. You have to report the news for Bufu, Idaho for about 15 years before you can <laughs> be on ABC. Mm -hmm. And so this is also when social media started to boom. And I saw that there was more attention on people's cell phones than there was TV. And I really started to build my own personal brand and realize why am I in broadcast journalism school? I don't want to get out and make 20 to 40K a year and in, in living in Idaho and be be uh, preaching about the weather. So it was more of just, I didn't feel aligned anymore to it. But I was very attracted to it because I'm very attracted to TV and, and radio. Well, it's interesting how you've set your life up. Um, you're, you're no weather girl, but you definitely are, you're leveraging the medium that you were attracted to for sure. Yeah, 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 absolutely. It's funny how things come full circle. So I went to school for broadcast journalism and then left to go to dietetics. And then I merged those and was doing health and wellness online. And now it's, then it came back to journalism and marketing. And it, it's crazy how it all did a huge full circle. Well, let's kind of talk about that. If we fast forward a few years later, you went to college, you started a food business with your brother, but then you realized, you know, food business isn't for me, college isn't for me, but you racked up a bunch of debt. What was your approach to tackling that six-figure debt that you amassed between both of those ventures? Yeah, it's interesting. I, I think that I, I'm still young, but I'm glad that I had a very fresh perspective of it. And I didn't have kids yet in a family. And I understand people listening who have families and mortgages. It's, it's definitely a heavier weight when you have $100,000 in debt. For me, it was, it, it was a very big wake-up call to life and to actually managing money for the very first time. And it honestly was a huge fuel for me. I remember opening up the, the, the mail and seeing that. And for a while, I was an ostrich with my head in the sand and I ignored it and didn't think it was real. And then I started to to really play the game of what if? What if I could create a business where I could pay this off in huge chunks? I'm a very extremist personality. And instead of thinking, oh, I'll just pay it off a little bit each month, I quickly found out what interest is <laughs> and realized that uh, you might as well... Uh, my mentality is you might as well just make a crap load of money and pay it off in, one, in, in a few chunks versus paying a little bit each month. And so it really was the driver. And I monetizing the blog and then the wellness brand and then now the marketing brand. And it's it's really was a catalyst. I truly believe that if I wasn't in debt, I probably wouldn't be doing what I'm doing, which sounds crazy. But I mean, you know, anytime you go through something hard in life, it actually inspires you to, to, <laughs> to do something great with it. And it, it was a catalyst for me. You know, we often talk about what we want and we even dig a little deeper and we talk about why we want it. Rarely do we talk about where we want it. And you and I have a mutual love for living in Southern California. Well, it's kind of crazy because one year ago, you know, effectively, you were in cold Midwestern winters and now you are in sunny 70 degrees, blue skies, no humidity, California. And uh, so you know, g give this guy some advice here. Is it all that it's cracked up to be? <laughs> you know, uh, you know, I, I love keeping it real, obviously. Mm -hmm. I love California. I don't love LA. I'm going to be brutally mm -hmm. honest. So okay. I, I, I don't know. I don't mind LA. It's, it's, it's cool. But I think if you're going to do California, right, I think north and south of LA is like where it gets really beautiful. Like even up the coast, Malibu and north of Malibu, Santa Barbara. I think... I think if you're going to do it, you should do it 
somewhere outside of LA. <laughs> well, we have it. We have it narrowed down to two places. One is Manhattan Beach, Yay! and the other one is Encinitas in San Diego. Yes. Okay. So I love Encinitas. That would be one of ours. Or I do love Manhattan Beach. So we might be neighbors. <laughs> Maybe we're going to be neighbors. All right. I want to dig a little bit into your business now. There are. You know, I sat down trying to come up with a lane to go down with you. You are not easy, my dear. There are so many lanes that I can go down with you. But I think the best lane that would most serve this audience is your ability to sell online constantly. I mean, it's amazing at how you do what you do. The truth is, I have never seen anyone sell as often as you do online and not have it piss me off. In fact, <laughs> some weird way, I actually enjoy the fact that you're selling me all the time. Sometimes I feel like I want to buy the shit that you're selling and I already own it. So you, oh my God, are, I love this. you are truly a genius with this. And I don't know how you do this. I mean, a lot of people have social media and no sales. But you have both. So I want to deconstruct a little bit about how you do this. So let's start with some basics. What is your business? What do you do? So funny. So Chris Harder, our mutual friend, awesome, awesome human being, he brought this up to me the other day when we were talking. And it's funny that I didn't even realize this about myself. I knew a little bit, but he he said what you pretty much said. And it, it was really beautiful to receive that compliment and to say, wow, that's interesting because it wasn't totally methodical. It was more of just intuitive, a lot of it too, of just being a natural born communicator. And I, I love just sharing what I love. And I like being authentic and, and transparent. And, and when you have a female audience, they, they thrive and they connect to that. You know, I mean, women want to buy and work with and be around women who they feel are their best friend, but who they, who they also look up to. And so I think I've mastered the art of that a little bit. And now I'm trying to find the strategy behind it to, to even share that with others. But my business now is basically a consulting agency. And I own an online school called the Wellpreneur University. It's now a small mastermind. And I'm teaching health and wellness professionals how to brand, how to market, how to sell. Majority of my, my coaching is around organic sales and teaching women to sell with confidence and with ease and taking the ickiness out of money and, and selling ourselves and really helping women to find that, that inner confidence that comes with sales. And I think that sales is really about about confidence. I think when you're truly confident and authentic, selling actually isn't weird or icky or gross at all. And that's that's my biggest passion right now is really helping women to find that badass in them. And then once they own that, and they could sell anything because they just know who they are. Who is a health and wellness professional? Let's define that. Is that a personal trainer? Yeah. So a lot of my students are health and wellness coaches uh, with maybe a network marketing company or their personal trainers, nutritionists, registered dietitians who finished the registered dietitian program and they <laughs> get out and they realize, oh my gosh, I, I want to also have courses or coaching online. I don't just want to work in a hospital. So a lot of my girls in this next round are registered dietitians, personal trainers, uh, health and fitness leaders, life coaches too, who women who are brand new and know they have a passion to get something out there into the world. Is it specific to women? Yeah, it is. It is. Why'd you make that decision? I think the I think the the riches are in the niches. I think when you can narrow down, it's more beneficial. And the amount of men that I have apply is so small compared to the amount of women. And so I'm missing out maybe on one percent or two percent. So I just uh, I believe that I might as well go all in. And, and in my courses, especially my mastermind that's very intimate, I want women to feel very safe and feel like it's their tribe and, and have that very feminine energy in there as well. And I've had uh, guys in the courses sometimes and it, it shifts the energy a little bit. Um, but you know what's funny is I feel like men are so fun to coach. And I actually resonate a lot with with men in discussions and our, in our mindset around stuff. So I think that I think I'd actually like to coach guys. There's sometimes a little bit more like, all right, let's do this. And women, you know, sometimes we overthink things and we get super emotional. So I actually, I probably should be coaching men too. <laughs> you know, we could modify that tagline a little bit if you want. You feel free to take this, but we can go with riches are in the niches, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> I, will I will take that. I will TM gift. that today. <laughs> <laughs> only only somebody who has a podcast, Rich Bitch Podcast, can actually <laughs> resonate with that. So, oh my gosh. All right. Multiple streams of income. Can you break down the buckets? For the, the buckets that I see, uh, and you can tell me if you got this right as you break them down, is affiliate marketing, your own courses, 
masterminds, your podcast, and maybe network marketing, but I don't know. Yeah. So that's all of them. I'm not in network marketing. I have uh, sponsorships for my podcast. A lot of... um, a lot of my income is from this, those sponsorships. Um, Organifi and Four Sigmatic are two big companies I work with right now. Um, my courses, my passive products, affiliate marketing heavily, whether that's products in my own shop and merchandise or being affiliate of other people's programs and courses. And then my mastermind. And then uh, my brother and I just started a CBD company. So I'm actually... This year is a year of a brand new, new venture into... Uh, a different world as well, which I'm really, really excited about. I just invested in that and um, that will be a big passion. And then I have a summit coming up, events. So that will be another another stream of income coming in. Out of all of those things that you mentioned, which one has been... If, you, if, we, t- if we Tim Ferriss this 80-20 style, which one is the, the thing that's giving you the most reward for your time? Is it the masterminds? Is it your courses? Is it your affiliates? Is it your sponsors? Mm, it would go masterminding courses are about equal, and then it would go affiliate marketing and then sponsorships in that order. Okay. For somebody that's just starting out, can you walk us through how you first built an audience before you built or created a product? It's mm, a great question. I really focused on getting on an audio and or visual platform. Because I think in 2018, especially if you're starting this right now and you're listening to stand out and to actually create that connection that is going to lead to that organic, really intuitive sales, you have to be on video and or audio, what we're doing right now, having a podcast. I think it's one of the best ways to stand out and build that true, true audience who is ready to buy from you when you are ready. So I play play the Gary Vaynerchuk long game a little bit. I said, all right, let me put in a few months, if, if years to give them value, give them connection. And so when I am ready to sell, it's going to pay off. How long was that that long-term value? Was it a year that you were doing videos and you know You know, a while. So I started I started a lot of this in college. I had a blog and I started a lot of it back then, but there wasn't video or Instagram then. So so then it was more just written content and pictures and really, really crappy recorded videos on like an iPhone three. Like, oh my God, this is yeah, literally an iPhone three. And so now it's it's been different, obviously, with technology. But yeah, once once live came out, I started live literally right away. And that's been a huge, huge driver and a funnel for my audience and my sales. Everything from driving to the podcast, driving to courses. Live video has been fantastic for that. But yeah, I've been doing video since you were allowed to to pretty much post video on your social platforms. It's just now it's become... I mean, video is advanced, thank God, <laughs> because they used to not be as nice. But I've I've always really put myself out there in, in video. And, and then the podcast started two years ago. Because I, I realized quickly, when you're a marketer, you realize that, okay, what can I do that is really going to build intimacy fast with people? It's not just going to be written text. You have to go above and beyond. And that's why I'm so, so passionate about video and podcasting. Let's talk about the video. So can you tell us about the day that you did your first YouTube video and why you decided to do it? Yeah. I think how I am as a woman who is also a consumer, I realized that I wasn't purchasing from people who I've never seen or heard their voice. And going back to that connection again, I've I've surveyed, I, I market research a lot with my women and I even ask them this. They say, how many of you buy something from someone who you don't know and you don't trust and you've never seen their voice or their mannerism or their face or anything. And they're like, no way, I would never do that. Especially, you know, a lot of my programs are around 5, 6K. I mean, these are more high ticket, quote unquote, price programs. Women aren't just going to purchase that from one post. And so I really realized that if I wanted to dive into that world of things that are also more high ticket, I, I had to build <laughs> that intimacy. And immediately what came to mind was video. Okay, so let's sort of go from that video to videos on Instagram stories, which you are a master of. And I'd like to get into the weeds a bit on that and talk some tactical strategies. How do you think about your Instagram stories specifically before you hit upload? In other words, what sort of questions are you asking yourself before you upload the video on on Instagram? Now it's probably super intuitive. You know exactly what you want. But in the beginning, 
you were probably thinking it through, like what, like what am I trying to say here? What do I want to like? What, what's your thought process about that? Yeah, I always have in the back of my mind now this intuitive 50-50 split. So I think the secret to capturing an audience and closing them is your fifty percent their best friend who they want to h- hang out with, spend time with, they trust, and the girl next door, as I call it, that they feel like, oh, I could hang out with Angie. She's she's relatable. She's trustworthy. And then 50% of it is also this blend of, I look up to her, I realize that she's an expert, she's the role model expert, she's someone that I want to be, she's credible. So I'm constantly balancing those as a marketer and making sure that I'm, I'm, I'm going back and forth between their best friend and also there's someone who they would love to work with and have me hold that space to be their coach or their mentor. And I'm always going back and forth between those now more intuitively. I'll feel out the content that I've produced that week and say, okay, do I need to add in a little bit more of relatability, silly Angie, and just fun Angie? Or do I need to put in some more educational Angie? So I balance those. But in the beginning, what I teach a lot of girls with Insta Story is to see it almost like it's your own little QVC and treat it the same as you would maybe in a Facebook Live where you're going to do value, 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 and then give them some sort of uh, like a call to action, whether that's to a lead magnet or that's to a course. I like to hit on the pain points a lot. So I teach women in, in my coaching how to speak directly to that customer by utilizing their specific pain points. So an example would be maybe it's a health and fitness coach who teaches autoimmune. And on uh, the first story, she would say, Hey, are you dealing with blank, blank and blank? Do you feel like blank, blank and blank? She's insert, she's inserting in these specific pain points. And then I like for them to put in a relatability point as well. So this is where then she ties in her story a bit and she could say, Hey, I'm Susie. And you know, I, I feel like this is something I deal with. So now she's got story. So first she hit the pain point, then she goes to story. And then I love the social proof. So this could be her sharing a testimonial, a screenshot. This could be her saying, you know, I just worked with Sarah and Sarah felt this way. And I truly believe if you're hitting those three over and over of pain points and pleasure points, your story, and then social proof, it's kind of this recipe that you can just keep regurgitating over and over and recycling. Let's uh, let's dig into that, that a little bit sense? because I, I <laughs> it, sort of, but I got a little bit jumbled there. So there, there there are three points, right? So the first point is the pain point. Are you struggling with X, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is that also related to the pleasure point or is that an entirely different thing? I believe that pain points and pleasure points are a little bit different. So a pain point would be more, oh, are you so? Are you a mom who just had a baby and you're so sick of the muffin top and you just wish you could burn that fat? And then a pleasure point would be like, oh, are you a mom who you would just love to fit in that bikini again on the beach after you just had kids? So you can, you can go back and mm-hmm. forth of pain points and pleasure points. Okay. And then from there, you move on to your story. Yeah, I, I believe this is a chance then I call it the CTC, like the call to credibility. Like, who are you to be on this Insta story? Why are you sharing it? Usually it's because we have experience with it. And this is where our story comes in to create that connection point. Okay. And then you go to social proof. Yeah. Then I believe whether it's your own story again, if you don't have clients yet, because a lot of girls are like, what if I don't have testimonials yet? I'm like, this is where you have to go even more in depth on your own story and maybe someone pro bono that you helped through this. I mean, in the beginning of their coaching, they have to share somewhat of how they have transformed themselves or another. So this is where social proof is so, so powerful with social media. And then, yeah, yeah. And then kind of blending those, blending those together. All right. So this one is a personal question. I am the kind of guy that just books my day solid, right? Super, super entrepreneurial, super type A, got a lot of shit going on. And sometimes the day passes and I'm like, fuck, I forgot to even insta story. How do you how do you weave that into your because I'm sure that you're just as busy as I am. How do you weave that into your life? How do you remember it? Like, did you have to train yourself? Was it difficult in the beginning? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. I see it as two things. One, it's it's kind of my job. So it's weird to think like it's my job indirectly and directly. It's kind of my job to share that. So I have to remind myself like, hey, this is part of the work in a sense. But I love sharing. I love communicating. I think I'm just a natural documenter and creator. So for me, I actually love it. It's my favorite part of what I do. So I, I try as as best as I can to document and really show women like, hey, this is who I am behind the scenes. This is what I'm working on. And I'm, I'm always thinking like, all right, what could I do to entertain them a little bit right now? I love entertaining. Like it's, it's my favorite thing. So for me, it kind of comes a little bit naturally. But I think for you women or men listening who are very, very busy seeing it as this 
documentation of behind the scenes. Even if it's right now, hey, I'm about to jump on an interview with Angie. Even if that's five seconds, break up your day and think, hey, maybe what I do for work all day, although it's at a computer, I could I could jazz this up. I could show me dancing to music before I work or saying mantras or meditating or whatever it is I do as a high performer and as an entrepreneur. I think showing them our lives is is the most crucial part of our job as a personal brand. And I also I love to outsource anything but that. So I have I have people doing everything in my business except for Angie being able to be Angie and fart around and be on story. So mm-hmm. <laughs> also as a business owner, I think once you delegate too, it gives you the time to be able to to uh, share more of that too. Are you a crazy nut when it comes to outsourcing? Do you like outsource everything or are you selective? I I thought I was better at it, but I realized that I still have some control issues around it too. I'm, I'm nervous. It's almost like uh, I don't have a I don't have a cute little daughter yet. You have mm-hmm. the cutest daughter, but yeah. I can't wait until I do because I feel like you know how I don't know. I think I'll be able to learn how to give up that control. I mean, it's probably like giving your daughter to a babysitter, right? You're like, oh, I don't want to, but I know I should, but I don't want to, and you just you feel guilty, but then you realize it's the only way for you to balance things and have a life. And I was very, very um, anal about it in the beginning. I was super nervous that my assistant would email people back the wrong things or that this would... I don't know. You just have this vision that outsourcing is going to be horrible. But then once you find the right people around you, you realize that it is the only way to build a huge business is to do it with other people helping you. Yeah, you can't scale. There's no way to scale. Yeah. But now I know this is my year of outsourcing. I love like I do groceries delivered. Like I get all this other stuff now. And it's so cool to be like, you know what, Angie, there's no guilt around this. There's no shame around this. This is you owning that. If in that hour, you're going to be filming or creating content that is thus going to help more people and make you more money. Why would you go spend five hours at Whole Foods right now reading labels? Like, Let's figure out what is really your zone of genius and how can we stay in that? So that's kind of what my my brain is always thinking is what what is my zone of genius? What is Angie's zog as I call it? And how can she stay in that and not go fart around at Whole Foods for five hours? <laughs> yeah. I mean, the way I look at it is if I can get someone else to do it about 80% of what I can do myself, then I just have them do it. That's very, very smart what you just said. I love that. How you said 80%, not 100. Because I think we're setting that expectation that that person's going to be us. But releasing that control is huge. Yeah. Yeah. So you can do more. Okay. Let's get into the uh, the tech a little bit. What kind of camera do you use for Instagram, YouTube, your videos? Yeah. So I have a Canon a, uh, a, uh, 80D now. I have a 70D and an 80D. Um, I use my iPhone for a lot. Like pretty much... I, I love the iPhone. I have the iPhone... Is this the 10 now? I have the brand new 10 and the camera on it is amazing. The video camera on it is amazing. And that's where I stream a lot of my my live content, especially is, is through my phone. So I've been using iPhone, my laptop, and then once in a while, we'll use the Canon 70D. So it's exactly what's happening to me too. I'm less and less using the high-end camera and more and more using the uh, the iPhone. It just... Oh yeah, people love it. People want to see real. People actually don't care about the... I mean, honestly, it's all about the lighting anyway. So I have a Diva ring light and I'm always in natural light. That's more important. You could have the best camera that's $10,000, but if you don't have good lighting, it's it's pretty crappy. So you guys would be so surprised. Your iPhone can... You can literally run the entire business through through an iPhone. Yeah, kind of crazy. Pretty crazy and amazing. <laughs> yeah. If I can constrain you to only three apps for editing uh, your photos or your videos. Let's let's leave it to videos. What would they be? Ooh, let me look now. Okay. Here's my, oh, that's such a good, oh, that's a good question. I love InShot. It's called INS. Never even mm-hmm. heard of it. I-N-S-H-O-T. Okay. Mm-hmm. Video. I love InShot. I love, I love HypeType. H-Y-P-E-T-Y-P-E. Never heard of it. Okay. I love HypeType. And then Continual for Instagram. It's called Continual. So you can record on Continual. And what's so nice is that Continual will then break it up into 15 to 20 second clips for you. So then it uploads it. Then when you upload it to Instagram, you don't have to worry about, hey guys, then stopping. Remember where you you left off, starting the conversation again. You can just go and then it breaks it up uh, for you on InstaStory. It's amazing. Yeah. Amanda Bucci gave me that one. That was great. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, she's a good friend. She actually told me about it. That's so funny. She was like, do you have continual? When I was with her the other day, I was like, no. And she's like, you got to do continual. <laughs> greatest thing in the world. So you don't have to keep starting and stopping. Let's switch gears a little bit. And let's talk about how living with the camera has affected your life. So maybe you can tell me about a time where it felt like, you know what? 
just shut this thing off. I can't. I can't anymore. I mean, like, come on. I'm in my underwear. This is like, I can't. I'm in my underwear. I can't anymore. Like, what? Has there, has there been I'm, any? I'm in my undies. I don't want to do this. You know? Yeah. Has there been any of those moments where, you, where your boyfriend said, honey, for the love of Jesus? Oh my God, you're cracking me up. Um, I... Why has no one asked me that question? God, these are good questions. Um, you know, there are times I'm actually feeling it right now this month. I hit a crazy last year where I just a lot, a lot. I produced a lot of content and I told my boyfriend that April is the month of what I call, I don't want to call it not working. It's called 50%. And I'm just kind of enjoying life for a few weeks before I start my next mastermind and before CBD stuff. And I'm just... I'm liking it and I'm liking that I don't have to be so obsessed with it for a bit. And so, yeah, I, I definitely feel it right now. I'm, I'm in that stage where I'm like, okay, I, I need to not be on it as much, but it, it, it'll, I mean, taking a few weeks off, I'll probably be super passionate to get to do it again. So it's healthy and it's normal to not want it always in your face. I think I'm a natural uh, storyteller and entertainer. Like I, I, I mean, my secret dream job would be just to be like a stand up comedian and just be like an actress or something like that. I just love, I love, communicating with people and I love being weird and I love sharing that with people and making them laugh or making them smile. That's that's always been Angie since a little girl. So I actually think that whether this is good or bad, I have that bug in me that loves to overshare. And so I think it almost does take a weird creature to want to do that most of the time. But there is also that line of of this is my personal life and you know I don't show every single moment and I, I try to keep some things personal of course because it does get a little it does get a little too much sometimes. So it's nice to take some days off and to get away. And he'll, he understands now. I think at the beginning, he didn't understand. But now he knows, oh, this is part of your job. This is how we... Yeah. This is how we live in California. This oh, is how okay. we live in California. It's not cheap. Have you seen the taxes? We're, we're, taxes, yeah. They take 50%. Thank you, I, government. So it's, it's like God, that's in, the only reason why California sucks. Ugh. I know. It's like you live in Sweden. Um, okay. <laughs> So, do you know uh, James Altucher, or do you listen to his podcast? You know who he is. I know of him, and people keep telling me to listen to him. Well, the reason the Should reason I? why he came up, yeah, he's he's kind of amazing for a multitude of reasons, which we don't have to go into. But you'll just you know listen to his podcast, and you'll you'll dig it. But what's interesting about him is he said what you just said, which is he's always wanted to be a stand up comedian. So he is going through the process now of doing his. Um, his stand-up comedian stuff at uh, the comedy store, and he's interviewing uh, comedians about what it's like to form, you know, real comedy and how you do it. And he's it's an, he's at a very interesting stage of his life right now. I think you get a lot out of it. Yeah, I love that. I love that. I have this huge, huge passion for comedy. I'm actually going to start doing some uh, skits and improv in LA because I believe that the skill of monologues, improv, especially improv and comedy, you can utilize that skill and strengthen that and become a better public speaker, entrepreneur, everything, because it requires you to be very fast thinking and it requires you to be witty. And I think as podcasters, a huge part of our job is not only being present, but being two steps ahead, which is what you're doing a great job of right now is you're being here with me, but then you're also thinking, mm, what would be the, the best place to organically transition into now for the next question? And I think that skill set you can take with you for life. So I actually study comedians a lot because I think not only are they funny, but I'm like, I would love to be able to just even harness that that skill and that that gift a little bit more. It's an absolute science. Okay. Are there any particular teachers that you can point to that have really impacted your growth? That's a great, that's a great question. I of course, Tony Robbins, that sounds so cliche, but as a little girl, my dad would play his tapes in the car. And I was like eight years old. My dad would be like, all right, let's play Unleash the Power Within. And <laughs> I was like eight years old driving around the neighborhood. And I was Making like, what is move. this? It was smart of him to do that. And I'm probably going to do that with my, my daughter and my son one day because it subliminally sunk in my brain. You could do whatever you want and limiting beliefs and all that stuff. So I think I always wanted to, to meet him. And so when I went to my first Tony Robbins at 19 years old, it was so cool to walk into the room and and to see him. And I just looked at him and I was just like, this is what I want to do. I, I can't wait to have that feeling and that moment to hold that space for people like that. And I just cried, not because of obviously what he was teaching. I mean, yeah, that was great too. But I just looked at him and knew. And it was super cool to have a teacher from afar like that. Like obviously he might never know this and you know, unless we hang out one day in Bermuda or something on his island. But <laughs> I think it's nice to have those ones from afar. And then... You know, in person, my, my dad's been a serial entrepreneur. So it's been really cool to see him 
go from, you know, bankrupt, left high school, built businesses up and down. And I think as a little girl, I, I probably saw that and saw what my dad had to, to go through. And I saw him always being there for my soccer games and me wondering, how, well, how does dad get to be there? But the other dads don't. Oh, he, he owns a business. Oh, it's called entrepreneurship. And I think 8, 9, 10 years old, I started to realize that that was the best way to create a life that you want is to be what my dad would call an entrepreneur. And so at a very young age, I started to become obsessed with how can, how can I start my own business one day? How can I do that? And so I think it's great that you guys are showing your daughter that too, because she'll probably want to grow up and be a, a girl boss. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, we, we tell her when she, when she starts getting, you know, in that mood, we tell her, get in your room, change your state. And she, change your state. she, she <laughs> does. When we taught her to do it. It's actually, we talked about it on my, uh, my podcast last week. Uh, but the way we taught her to do it was we had these big giant, like plastic stars. And yeah. uh, we told her she was in like a really crappy mood. We said, grab the stars, throw them in the air. She's like, you want me to throw them in the air? Like, yeah. And then she's like, <laughs> as we're doing it, she's, you know, she's three. So she's starting to laugh. And yeah. so we said, you stay. And so now when she's being, you know, not good, um, we go change your state. She goes in her room, she gets the stars and she throws them in the living room. She starts laughing. So that's how we taught her to do it. Isn't it's that so going to be me. I'm just going to put Tony Robbins on in the bedroom with the kids and be like, listen to this. <laughs> you know, once and a friend of mine was sitting next to me and he looked at it, he goes, he's freaking Barney for adults. <laughs> Barney. Oh my gosh. He kind of is. He, he kind of is. <laughs> You're like, like addicted is, and mesmerized. Yeah. <laughs> this is funny. Okay. So you have been super vulnerable online. You had uh, some issues with food, you were binge eating. And when you shared that, your engagement went up. Can you kind of give me a little bit of color on the, how that happened? Yeah. So I was in the fitness industry and actually competing with Lori and Kim and a lot of those girls and your wife, Kim. And it was amazing to be in that industry. And I think there's such a beautiful part of that industry. And then there's also this unspoken like, hey, some girls are not doing it in the most healthy way, which of course, we all go through that. And if I could go back in time, I probably would have done it in a more sustainable fashion. But um, I did it very unhealthy for a while and a few for a lot of those shows and and really, really took a toll on my mental just my mental well-being and my body and my metabolism and everything. And I uh, decided that why would I lie to these women about what really goes on behind the scenes for for sometimes, you know, these these modeling shoots or dieting for a bikini show. It's intense. And I said, what what the hell? Like, why not just share this? Why not make some posts about this? And I sent out newsletters about it. I started blogging about it. And I called it like the dark side of the bikini world that people aren't talking about. And Anytime you're controversial, controversial or polar on social media, it gets attention, obviously, because you're talking about what other people are nervous to talk about. And it just got a lot of engagement and traction right away. And women started writing me, oh my God, I suffer from that too. And oh my gosh, how did you know? And I've been dying to talk to someone that I, after my show now, I have all these issues with food. And I said, why not talk about this thing that is relevant right now and that women are dying to hear about? And so I talked about the white elephant. <laughs> And essentially what happened is I saw firsthand the power of vulnerability and how it immediately creates that connection. And if if done right, you can turn that into sales. And I've made the commitment ever since then for the last seven years of building an online brand that I'm going to always be super open and vulnerable. Not only is it more fun and enjoyable, but yeah, it ultimately leads to a bigger business because I'm just being me instead of putting on a facade. It takes some personal development to be able to step into that world, um, which is why I'm assuming that you're, you know, you're always doing events and you're always reading books and you're always stretching yourself. You know, you see how all these things intertwine into each other, right? Yeah. You know, it's so easy for people to assume that you hit home runs all the time. Could you tell us about a dark slash hard time, maybe what prompted it, how you came out of it, or this will be like a choose your own adventure. Maybe you can tell us about a failure that looking back really helped set the stage or teach you something that led to success later. And the more specific, the better, because I want to humanize you for people so that they don't always think that Angie is always hitting a home run. Yeah. Yeah. I think to succeed, you have to fail really, really hard first. I've had a lot of mentors tell me that, which almost sounds scary, but I think it is necessary. The contrast, life is contrast. Life is light and dark you know, black and white, it's it's interesting that mo the most successful people have usually been in extreme debt or it went through extreme pain in their life. And I think that commonality just shows that that contrast is necessary to be successful. And 
um, for me in business, it's been a lot of, of course, putting myself out there and flopped launches and me putting 110% in and you know, getting four people to sign up. We're now a quarter million or a million dollar launch is, is a normal thing. That wasn't normal in the beginning, obviously. That was like, oh, five people signed up or one, but I'm just going to keep going. And I remember thinking all the time I wanted wanted to quit. I mean, a huge failure, I guess, on paper was was the the debt. I mean, for a lot of people, that's an embarrassing, shameful thing they don't want to talk about. And I actually... It's funny that when I talk about it, it actually, again, similar to me sharing with the, the emotional binge eating thing and all those issues of me being at social events crying in bathrooms because I didn't know how to eat anymore and all of that crap that went with that. It's funny that when I finally announced, hey guys, guess what? I was in debt. People were like, oh my God, that's crazy. And I I love releasing that because holding it in is not fun either. So that was really great. What would you say the hardest challenge or bad behavior that you're currently working with or working on with yourself? Oh, such a good question. <laughs> Ooh, I am working on a little bit more of work-life balance. I don't even know if that is the word or if it even really, really exists. But um, I didn't have a large social life in college when I started building a lot of this. And I have recently now started implementing it more. But for a while, I really didn't. I, I kind of... I, I made I made space between me and friends because I, I when you're when you're growing or evolving or becoming successful or whatever you know you're you're on this on this trajectory that is is going up and your friends don't understand it sometimes they don't resonate with you so I think what I've done that I I'm, I, wish, I wish I could go back in time and do differently is I um didn't have enough work life balance you know with my boyfriend now we really have to work on that because I'm a workaholic. I'm a workhorse. I'm thinking about it all the time. I'm obsessed with working and and this business and this brand. And I give it 110%. And sometimes it comes before the relationship. And that's something that him and I are working on because he knows that that's not healthy <laughs> or sustainable. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't, you know, I don't know that there technically is balance. You know, I don't, I don't think that you can, you know, do equal work hard, equal play hard. But I think what you do is you just put momentum into things that you want to put momentum into. Yeah, you know, yeah, and you have seasons. Yeah, right. And I think balance sort of just describes it. But I, I don't know that you know you ne- necessarily go. I'm fifty one percent here and forty nine percent there. It just doesn't work. But 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 this sort of is a perfect segue because I want to move on to the play hard section of the show, which I really define anything as being outside of work. You know, we spend a lot of time on work and not a lot of time on creating real fulfillment in our life, like we've been talking about. And playing hard and recharging looks different for everybody. So I'd like to talk about what it looks like for you. And I see that you do all kinds of cool stuff outside of work, like skateboarding. Uh, you took your first flight on a private jet. You just did a, a sensory deprivation tank, which freaks me out because I'm claustrophobic. Um, let's start there. Tell me the story of the sensory deprivation tank. <laughs> yeah, I'm this little biohacker. So um, I want to start bringing more biohacking into my business. I love it. I, um, I deal with a lot of anxiety. I started getting anxiety attacks a few years ago and panic attacks were really, really bad and shook me to the core and should have mentioned that as a, as a life issue to the prior question, but um, I didn't know where they came from or what. Who knows? Of course, that's internal processing of, I don't know, was it too much work or I don't, who knows what it was from. And I um, remember going through that and someone recommended to me that I should try um, the sensory deprivation out because it's a way to be centered and be calm with your thoughts. And it's, it's a deep, deep meditation that a lot of stuff comes up when you're in there. And I started to realize that all these really successful entrepreneurs like the Tim Ferrisses, all those guys who are doing crazy stuff, you know, waking up at five with the cold showers and <laughs> doing all that stuff. Mm-hmm. They were all doing uh, sensory deprivation. Um, Joe Rogan talks a lot about it. I love Joe Rogan. He's like idol podcast goals. And uh, I said, why not? I'm not going to die. Why not? Obviously, I, I really need to start going inward more than outward. I'm a very external... Um, I put out a lot of energy. So I thought, why not? It's a, it's a, it's a freaky experience initially, but... Um, it's like the first 10 minutes that are a little a little weird. And if you're claustrophobic, you can keep it open too, actually. So you could find a place near you that allows you to keep it open. <laughs> okay. And I, and, and I will still get the benefit from it? Yeah, I think you would. Why? I definitely think you would. I think, I mean, if you can go in your bathtub at home and, and put some hot water and literally put an eye mask on and take out, uh, make sure all the other senses are not active. I mean, you you could definitely make your own 
sensory deprivation chain tank in your bathroom, I guess. You know, I'm going to do it, but I'm going to get a glass of wine. I'm going to sit there and bring Netflix in with me. I mean, that's what's going to happen. Well, it's a lot. If you think about it as humans, how often are we really that silent without any sort of stimulation? Not a lot. We're either Never. discussing something with someone or hearing something. So it's really, really trippy to for the first time just be so in your body and all of these uh, creatives i'm doing it more for creativity they get their best ideas in there like huge massive life-changing business ideas and i'm literally doing it because i'm so committed to being creative and different and i think that the best ideas come to us when we're silent and that's where i've got a lot of my ideas not from comparing myself to other people or scrolling they come to me when i'm just like out on a hike, which is a huge form of play for me, or I'm silent, or I'm in a meditation. I go to this place here in LA called Unplugged. And it's literally meditation classes where you go in and each one has a different theme. And every time I leave, I have a really cool idea. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, this is the secret. (laughs) Oh, yeah. The lady who created that place, um, I think she was like uh, a fashion person for ABC or CBS or something. That that was her thing. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. How about skateboarding? When did skateboarding start? When when you you move to LA, you all of a sudden just want to do all this weird stuff, right? (laughs) That sounds sounds wrong. When you you move in and you get a new zip code, (laughs) do they just mail you a skateboard and go, okay, go? Everyone here is like, yeah, let's go to the beach and bike ride and go get a Cybols. And I'm like, what? People in Chicago don't do this, right? Like, hmm, we're so serious in Chicago. So it's been fun to live in a very playful state. I love California because it's playful. It's fun. It's, It's normal to call your friend and say, let's go grab a green juice, obviously, and go hike. I love hiking. I'm a nature junkie. I love putting my feet in the water and doing grounding exercises. I think it's really healthy for our body to be in contact with the ground and with nature. So I love grounding. My boyfriend loves rock climbing and mountain biking. I haven't done that yet. I'm a little too afraid. I'm kind of a baby about that stuff. But I love dance too. I started dance classes out here once I moved to LA because girls out here are like all into dance and I'm not the best, but you know, (laughs) it's a good way for me to tap into the feminine and just get away. And it's so cool how I don't think about work for that hour when I'm in dance class. What's a, did you say a side bowl bowl. or a side bowl? Or or a psilocybin? (laughs) What is that? An acai bowl is... um, you guys should all Google this. It's so delicious. It's basically like this big fruit antioxidant bowl where they put granola and bananas on top and honey. And it's made out of this fruit called acai that has a lot of antioxidants. And it's very trendy in LA to go eat an acai bowl. It's almost like frozen yogurt. Okay. Now I know what it is. I've been calling it acai. Oh, acai. Okay. Oh, acai. Yeah. I don't know what it, I I don't know I what it is. Somebody, <laughs> you know, somebody's going to correct either me or you. <laughs> Hopefully it'll be you and not me. <laughs> Tell me what were the circumstances that led you to flying on your first private jet? That sounds cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have a sister who lives up in San Francisco and my brother and I wanted to go visit her and he called me up and Mike is really, he's my big brother and he's really cool. We call this setting the standard for life, whether this is the new place you live, whatever this is, once you set that standard, you don't go backwards. And so we always joke about that. Like, hey, let's go on a jet because then we'll only fly on private jets. And so he calls me up. He's like, we have have to go to San Francisco. It's only 45 minutes away. Let's just take a private jet. And I'm like, what? No, I love Southwest. What are you talking about? (laughs) He's like, we're going to take a private jet. So we just booked a jet overnight. We're just like, you know what? Why not? And it was 45 minutes. So that's the funny part is I got to experience it for literally 45 minutes of my life. <laughs> that's okay. But we need to unpack this a little bit. So if, you, if you're open to sharing it, like what, how much does it cost? Give me, walk me through that process because I've never been on one and I'm sure people are listening going, that sounds like a cool idea. How would I do yeah, that? Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. You just, um, there's, there's companies here that allow you to book through, through a private jet, especially if you just want to go from San Francisco, San Diego, LA to San Fran. It's very popular for people to do. Obviously, to, for me, LA to San Fran, if I wanted to go there right now, it could be a $39 Southwest flight and easily. But by the time I get there and park and do all that, honestly, you're spending three, four hours where if you go to the private jet place, you show up. It's so amazing because they've already asked you the information online and you basically show up, you hand them your bags, you get onto this jet. And it's amazing because you don't have to stand in lines or anything. There's no crazy security and you're paying a few hundred bucks. But I mean, it's a great experience. <laughs> how, mu- how much was, how much I think was, it, was like it to $2.99. It wasn't crazy or like 300 bucks. But for 45 minutes of your life, you, you, you feel silly. But I, what we're doing is we're setting this new standard of like, hey, life's short. Let's just do it. Like I'm such a huge fan of if it's fun, let's do it. That's so my personality type. So I 
think that if you have an opportunity to just sometimes like uh, like almost like play with the up leveling process with the universe, it's fun to just say, yeah, I'm I'm worth this three four hundred dollar thing for a few minutes. Like, of course I am. Let's just go do this <laughs> instead of analyzing it, right? I'm, I've been waiting for an invitation to fly in a private jet. Now yeah, I got it's one. So okay, fun. so. If you had a magic wand, describe for me what play hard looks like for you. Ooh, I love it. I just did an episode yesterday on play. So this is so perfect timing. Playing hard for me, I'm a social creature. I'm an ENFP, which is like super extroverted, needs social interaction to thrive. So I'm always talking to someone. I love it. Like this right now is my favorite thing to do, to be connecting with a human. So for those I of, would for be... The, sorry to interrupt, but for those okay. of you that are li- listening, she's referring to the Myers-Briggs mm-hmm. test. Yes. What are you? What are you? Have you taken it? I have taken it and I have no idea because the guy who made me take the test made me take five different tests, five different personality tests because he wanted me to have an analysis across all of them so I can really see where the common themes are. And they're all jumbled up in my head right now, but I'll find out and I'll mess. You seem like an ENFP. You do. You seem like you're extroverted. You you want to go do something because it's a good time. You're motivated by fun, right? You're motivated by let's let's have a great experience. I'm actually crazy introverted. And here's what I learned. Oh, you are? Mm-hmm. Yeah, here's what I learned. Wow, you seem so extroverted. Do you know what the difference is? Like there's a definition. I actually went through this whole thing. I'll, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you because it's opposite of what you think. If if you were stre- if you had like a crazy day and you were stressed out and you're like I just like want to go relax and you went into uh, let's say you sat at a stool at a restaurant would you want to have a conversation with the person next to you to relax or if you had your iPhone with your earbuds would you want to put your earbuds in to just chill and listen to music to relax. That's such a good question. I, I'm a little bit more, I, of course we all have both in us, but I'm a little bit more, I'm going to talk to the guy. Yeah. I'm going to talk to the person. So then you're extroverted. (laughs) I want to stick my, if I'm stressed and tired and see end of the day, I much prefer like, for example, network marketing, right? If I go to a big network marketing event, by the end of the second day, I'm in a corner drooling. Because oh, because you're so, so burnt out. Because yeah, because it, I give when I am in a situation, I give everything I have, and then I collapse. Yeah, podcasting. Even if I do a few interviews in a day, then I do a few videos. I mean, my they're exhausting. I'm outputting a lot of energy, so I'll go lay on the bed, and I'll at the end of the day want to get away for a few minutes. But then I'm like, okay, who can I go talk to? I need I need to go find someone to hang out with. <laughs> now, but but by definition, I am situationally extroverted. So you can put me on stage in a situation and I'm a super extrovert. You can put me in a podcast situation. I'm a super, we can go out to dinner. I'm a super extrovert. But if you're my wife and you're hanging out with me, my wife will go, oh, when he's done, he's done. No, I won't go talk to him. <laughs> <laughs> so That's what is so play, funny. Isn't it funny? What does play, what does play look like for you? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge goof. My team knows play is my number one word. My my mantra for life is if it's not fun, I don't do it. I literally make my decisions based on that. Everything like a podcast interview, I'm like, this will be fun. I want to talk to him. Like that's literally what my driver is. I'm not even really driven by money as much as I am by a good time because I just I love having fun and playing. For me, playing is my laptop is not with me. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. for sure. Love so I that. just had a girls like mastermind meetup is unofficial. Me and a few in- other influencers met up and we spent two days. We rented out this house in San Diego and I was just crying, laughing with tears. We were goofing around. We literally went skinny dipping at night in the ocean. We played music. We danced. We ate awesome food. I literally have never felt so good in my life. And I left thinking that is what my soul needs more of. It needs that play. And I didn't think about emails and work. And I didn't even look at my laptop for two, three whole days. And I'm like, what? What is this? This is so cool. It made me feel like a kid again. Of, of I had no worries other than maybe a little bit of homework at the end of the day, but I had no worries. And owning a big business now, it's crazy how it's brought me so many opportunities and beautiful things, but it's also brought immense stress. And, and, and it's a lot for me to handle. And there's days where I'm like, oh my God, I need a release from this. And I think that it's been interesting to really study what is what is my release? What is play for me? And it's, it's definitely dancing, being with other social creatures, other ENFPs. I find my ENFP friends here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, I love, uh, I love laughing really hard. I find really goofy friends who we could just crack up 
I think that play is the secret to sustainability. I think play is a secret to happiness. I think it's the secret to more creativity as an entrepreneur. Because when I left that, that weekend with those girls, I came back and I felt so excited to work again. And I realized that, wow, I need this like every week of my life. <laughs> If, uh, as an aside note, um, as an aside, if you open up your mastermind to men, I want an invite because I want to do the skinny dipping part. <laughs> <laughs> the one dude who shows up just for the skinny dipping. Yeah. yeah. Why is he here? Oh, he's just here. For I know. I got dipping. so many DMs. It was so like from creepers on Instagram who were like, oh, is this is the best mastermind ever. And I was like, you know, come, come on. I was just trying to show <laughs> some fun. <laughs> That's so <laughs> they were like, how much is it? And I wrote like half a million dollars to these creepy guys who DM'd about <laughs> the skinny They're dipping. like, that's fine, I'm in. I'm in. They're like, all right, here, who can I PayPal? I'll send it over <laughs> right now. I'm like, all right, here's my PayPal, half a million dollars. <laughs> if you had all the time and all the money in the world to pursue a hobby or a recreational activity, what would it be and why? Oh, man. Wow. Wow, that's a, that's a that's a great question to be asking people because it's sad that I don't have a, a I need to think of what that is. Wow. What would I be doing and why? Oh man. I would give back in some capacity absolutely. I think that's the purpose of of money is to give back. I would have to give back family, friends, people who I've touched in life who who would need it, but my hobby would be Oh man. <sighs> is this like a like an extracurricular hobby or what? <laughs> is this like knitting or <laughs> I mean, you know, what, what, what's some people, like I asked, uh, I did an interview with uh, Lori Harder, another mutual friend, and she said, I want to surf. Yeah. You yeah. Know, she said that. I listened to that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's funny that my brain went to what business would I start with? It's like, it's so business oriented and so marketing oriented. That's the reason why I asked this question, because the lens that we use as entrepreneurs is like, well, maybe if it's surfing, maybe I can make a business out of it. Maybe I could sell surfboard. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm like, oh, I would start a TV show and then own like a network and I'm, I'm going into a business. I'm like, no, Angie, what would you do if it wasn't business related? Oh my gosh. I mean, yeah, I would, I would be playing on the beach, probably surfing too, dancing. Uh, I really want to get into painting. Like, I, I think I'd actually be a decent, decent artist. <laughs> that's a, that's such a powerful question. Well, we'll let that one sit with you. And by the way, this is very, very common. Uh, this part of the interview is. is the most difficult part for people, which is the reason I did this podcast. It's because it's so easy for us as entrepreneurs to talk, talk about work. But the mo there's like two different people when I do these interviews. The work part, it's like articulate and you know they, they, they have so many stories and so much to talk about. When I come to the play hard, play part, they're like, oh shit. <laughs> you know, I don't know. This is incredible. And I'm so grateful you created a platform for this discussion because it was weird when you initially asked me that. My body was like, what? What? Well, no one asks me that. Everyone asks me business questions. So it is interesting to get that question and not have an initial response and something I'm going to sit on because I think it's important to know without this energy of money, what would we all really be doing? And, and what would that look like? Yeah, even for a season, you know, what is the thing that your soul has been really calling you to do, but for whatever reason, you just haven't pulled the trigger on it? My soul has been calling to finally do my live events and start a female sales and confidence summit. It's, it's going to finally happen in October, but it was calling my soul for a long time. And I just kept putting it off because of a little bit of ideal with, you know, still the perfection mindset of, oh, I got to, it's going to be a lot of stress to set it up. And that's going to, the, the fear gremlin started chatting with me and saying, oh, it's going to be a lot. And what if no one, you know, just all that bull crap in our brain. Mm -hmm. And I finally just, I talk to my gremlins a lot and I tell them who's boss and I say, you know what? we're going to do it and it's going to be great. It's going to be a good time and there's never going to be a perfect time. You know, a lot of people um, talk about their morning routine. It's kind of all the rage now, right? But I'm interested in your evening wind down routine. What's that look like? Oh, the baby grandma. I call myself a baby grandma. So this is, this is up my alley. Baby grandma. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> tell, me about baby tell me about baby grandma. So... I'm very into no technology at all past a certain time, usually like an 8.30 or a 9. I shut off from it as much as I can. There's no technology in our bedroom at all. I don't want TVs. I don't sleep with my phone next to my head or near my uh, my desk or, you know, I'm not not into that. I, I, I try to get all my friends to put their phone outside their bedroom because of EMFs and I'm a dork like that and I'm afraid of EMFs. <laughs> um, so I, I try to wind down that way and then I love... I love hot showers. I love hot baths. I'm a Pisces. So I just need to be in water at all times. And 
sometimes I will watch a little bit of if I want to bring in my computer or laptop, I will watch, like I said, comedy. I love silly stuff before I go to sleep just to set a really happy, silly tone. I, I've noticed lately it's kind of my release. It's weird. I'm I'm uh work's getting crazy and I at the end of the day, all I really want to do is just watch stand up on Netflix for like a good hour. <laughs> and and I had guilt around that. I'm like, who am I to be watching this for an hour? But it it's my way of getting away from the world and emails and messages and all of that. So I'm a huge fan of that. And then I love walks. I'm I'm always my, my brother calls me a grandma because I walk around the neighborhood. He's like, Where are you walking to? I'm like, nowhere. I'm just walking. He thinks it's so weird. <laughs> when I walk so around a phone and, call from the police that you're in somebody's backyard. <laughs> like where what happened to grandma? I don't like, we don't know. He's like, You're twenty eight years old. Where do you go walking to? Well, you're so weird. Who goes on walks by themselves? I'm like, me, it's good. It's good. I gotta get my steps in. And so I, I do a, a morning walk and then I like to do a nighttime walk where so when I listen to music or podcasts, podcasts are very soothing and relaxing for me. And um, that's my little getaway. And I like to do that with, with my dog, Meatball, or I do it alone. And um, yeah, nighttime is when for me, I have to detach from social media because my brain is buzzing so much from the day that it's, it's really about turning things off. And I like to read a little bit, but I found that sometimes too stimulating too, actually, because I'm reading so much and, and consuming and producing during the day that my brain needs more of just like, no, no knowledge, no information, no, no taking in anything really serious or intense. I need like less. I need like lightness, silliness. I need that play, as you say, to get away. What time you go to bed? Nine, nine thirty. <laughs> mm, early. What time you wake up? Uh, like six forty-five, seven. Yeah. So today I got up at like seven thirty, which was sleeping in. I got this new weighted blanket. P.S. You guys, this is amazing. I you can get this from any company. I'm not sponsored by them. I, hopefully one day I am. But it's a weight. I know. I know you're going to be selling shit on my show. I know. <laughs> no, that's no, no, no. Happen. I'm not even going to bring up a company she name just go. to prove I'm not selling. AngieLee.com <laughs> forward slash blanket. <laughs> Angie Lee, swipe up. I um I love this. It, it's been proven to increase your dopamine levels, serotonin levels, uh, helps with anxiety, depression. This company is is absolutely blowing up, but I mean, there's a ton of them where it's a, literally a weighted blanket. And I, I got one yesterday, and I slept with it last night, and it's such a calming, grounded, incredible feel. I had such great night's sleep. So if you're someone who deals with anxiety while you sleep, th- um, I would I would can um, have you guys go check out a. They're called weighted blankets. It's amazing. All right, I'll link it. I'll link it up in the show. Go notes. find yourself a weighted right. blankie. <laughs> All right, so we. There's, I know there's a joke in there, but I, I'm just I, because as a guy, I just feel like pitching a tent, weighted blanket. I feel like there's something in there that I can. I, I, I want. If I was Joe, that, oh my if I was Joe Rogan, it would have just came oh, out. Oh yeah, if this but was I, Joe Rogan's. I, <laughs> but I, but I don't possess that skill. But we'll just leave that there. All right, so we're gonna wrap up with the rapid fire round. Answer as quickly or as slowly as you would like. Basically, first thing that comes to your mind, what would your friends say is one of your superpowers? Making them laugh and being weird as hell. (laughs) What's one of the things that you're afraid of right now? Being a parent. I think it's like that next stage of life scares me a little bit. I mean, excitement, but also the next stage of like marriage, kids, the the next step of life is a little scary. What do people never ask you, but you wish they did? I wish that more people asked me about confidence and brain health and, and all of those things as well. I think those are so important to entrepreneurship, which you, you we cover a lot of great things today. And I think a lot of shows or when I'm interviewed or people have discussions, it's always so sales and marketing focused. And I wish they realized that there's so much more to sales and marketing than just the, the analytical side. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a mindset game too. So I wish more people dived into that topic. What book have you reread the most? Oh, yeah, I would probably say uh, Unleash the Power Within. Great book. What is the one thing that you own that you probably should throw out, but you never will? (laughs) But you never will. (laughs) My blankie. I still have all the little blankies from when I was a little girl. I just keep all the blankies, which I think I should keep them. It's sentimental, you know? And then my mom in in the back at home in Chicago, she's got boxes and boxes boxes of all my Barbie dolls, like hundreds of Barbie dolls. And she thinks one day we're going to sell them or give them to my daughter, my future kids one day or something. But I'm like, come on, we don't need these. We don't need these boxes of Barbie dolls. No, listen to your mom. Listen She's to your mom. Right. <laughs> okay. Last question. If you had to give a TED talk on nothing that you're known for or nothing that you speak about, and it could be on anything that you like or anything that you have a passion for or anything else at all, 
what would it be? Mm. Yeah, I do have a big, I talk about it a little bit, but I, I have this huge passion for brain health, discussing mental mental health with, with women, like anxiety, depression, all those things. And I think it's not talked about enough. And I, I can see myself speaking about that and then even going more into that soon is, is the, those discussions around happiness. Well, I got to tell you, Angie, this, uh, you did not let down, you deliver, you are just a love. Um, I had such a great time, learned so much about you. Do you have any final words, suggestions, or an ask for the people that are listening? Oh, this was so good. You asked, you asked difficult questions. I love it. I love being challenged on a podcast because usually it's the same general questions, but man, you stumped me on a few. <laughs> usually I'm not at a loss for words. I'm usually the one who has too many words. That's so, that's great. That's a great skill that you have and that you're harnessing right now. Yeah, I would just say, go go check out my show, Rich Bitch on iTunes. You guys are probably already on iTunes listening to this. I would love for you to head over there and, and pop it in your ears. And I hope it lights a fire under your tushy. <laughs> thank you so much, Angie. Oh, thank you. I appreciate you. All right. Thanks for listening. If you love this episode and you know someone that needs some help in either stepping up their work hard game or their play hard game, it would mean the world to me if you shared this podcast with them to help me get this movement out there. So if you like what you heard, head on over to iTunes, take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and I will be forever grateful. So until the next episode, excuses are over. It's time to live. It's time to live.